Liv, I have a question for you. I have an answer. Perfect. <laughs> Are you afraid of bridges? Absolutely. Yes. Really? really? Yeah. There's there's like that really long one. It's what's it called? Say it. Is it is it the um Say it. Chesapeake Bay one? That is literally what I have written down yeah. here. That is the one bridge I'm afraid of. Yeah. It's long and horrifying. Or there's that underground like tunnel bridge in Virginia, what? like going to I Virginia. I don't know Beach. about this. Horrifying. Why is it underwater? Riddle me that. I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Scary. It's scary. <laughs> well, our fear of bridges really sets up this episode because in this one, we are talking about a bridge that collapsed in Illinois in 1873, <gasps> which was known as the Dixon Bridge Collapse. Ooh. I'm Ian. And I'm Liv. And this is Disaster Hour. So before we even start this episode, Liv told me that she has a gift for me, and I do love gifts. I'm so excited. It's so stupid. I, I can't wait. Do you know? It's the cookies. <laughs> do you know it's what the these scotchies. are? These are scotchies, right? Yeah, yeah. They're my... First of all, is this my Tupperware? No, that's mine. So we have the same Tupperware off of Amazon. <laughs> I, got, I got mine off of Costco, but it's literally probably the same. No, this thing. is 100% yeah, the same yeah, Tupperware yeah. that I have off of no, Amazon. All right, I'm trying one right now. What are they called? They're called um, oatmeal scotchies. Oatmeal scotchies. They're yes. my favorite. Oh my god, they're my favorite. Everyone, hold, please. Oh fuck! I know these are fantastic, right? If I were to describe them, <clears throat> butterscotch, definitely some brown sugar. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else. I'm not a food critic, but they're cinnamon. fantastic. I put Ooh, so yeah. much cinnamon in there. Yeah, I love them. So good. <laughs> Did we we talked about them, right? We talked about them on one episode, and then you said you would make them for me. Yeah. And then like two weeks had went by, and I didn't get them, and I got real shitty about <laughs> not getting these cookies. <laughs> like I made a fake episode cover about the butterscotch cookie scandal or whatever. And I said, this sounds like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> this one hundred percent was a Seinfeld episode. Yes, it was. Uh, and then I forgot about it until now. Yeah, that's why I was like, hey. I think it was on Monday. I was like going through my pantry because I was like, God, I would kill for a little something sweet. And then I saw that I had the oatmeal scotchies and I was like, oh, brother, <laughs> I'm making those and it's going to be fucking hilarious. Is there chocolate in these? No, no chocolate. Okay, because Otto is sitting here very patiently waiting for some. So we'll we'll let him have a little piece. Oh, like a good boy. That's why he was sniffing my bag. And I was like, brother, you're going to give away the secret. In all honesty, I don't think he tasted it. It was gone so quickly. <laughs> But he loved the effort. Yes. Thank God. No no more, Otto. But please, sir, can I have some more? Uh, no more. Hey. Well, that made my night. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Do I get to keep all of these? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Give you. I gave him like eight, and then I'm like, no, I'm taking those back. But they're big, though. They're big. They're my favorites. They're all going to be gone yeah. by tomorrow night. They, I have so no many shame. in my apartment. I have like my little cookie cookie jar that says it's cookie time that I got at a invention store. And it's filled to the brim with those puppies. I need a cookie jar. Yeah. It was the first thing I got. Didn't they change Cookie Monster to Veggie Monster? I, don't, I think that was like propaganda. So he's still Cookie Monster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but only in moderation. Something <laughs> like that. Some bullshit like that. I don't know. Fuck it. I'm having. I think it's I think it's still the same cookie. Like his name is Cookie Monster. Why yeah. did they take away his one thing? We're phoning a friend asking Trisha. <laughs> She has a child. She would know. Yeah. She watches Sesame Street. <laughs> All right. Well, 
How do we go from cookies to a bridge collapse? These cookies are so crumbly. Like this. Just like the bridge crumbled. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Pulitzer Prize mm, material mm, right mm, here. Mm. I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist. I'm pretty sure Pulitzer Prize is just for written journalism, though. Oh, that's fine. Whatever. It's 2023. They can change it. Yeah. yeah. For us. I think that's appropriate. I think so, too. Well, the Dixon Bridge Collapse took place on Sunday, May 4th, 1873, in the city of Dixon, Illinois. The Dixon Bridge crossed the Rock River in Illinois. Uh, fun fact, this is exactly 150 years ago, in 2023. Oh, shit. Yeah, a lot of the articles I saw kept saying it was 150 years ago, and I'm like, well, when was this written? Yeah. Oh, this year. He said, hey, happy anniversary. Now, Dixon, Illinois was founded in 1830. And by 1873, Dixon was a rapidly growing city. The population of Dixon by 1870 was just over 4,000 people, which was double the population of Dixon just 10 years prior in 1860. Oh, wow. Yeah. The city's government was led by a mayor, along with eight aldermen. Aldermen are basically city council members in the 1800s. Yeah, makes sense. It sounds like older men, so. I mean. Yeah. It's America in the 1800s. Yeah. They originate from England, where the aldermen would kind of assist the royalty, the royal family. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Old men. Yeah. Yeah. There were also seven churches in Dixon. For 4,000 people? Uh, I'm not religious. I don't know. <laughs> Holy shit. That's like a lot of... Churches do play a role in this, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there were two weekly newspapers in Dixon, the Dixon Sun and the Dixon Telegraph. Newspaper reports will play a big role in this story. Why is every single newspaper called The Sun? I don't know. What other Sun newspapers are there? There's obviously the... I don't know. There's like a there's like a big... Sun at the center of the galaxy? No. <laughs> universe? Galaxy? There's, there's like a big like newspaper called The Sun. So I'm wondering if like... I don't know. Never mind. Maybe it's the same thing. Capri but I feel like... Sun. They're a fantastic fruit beverage. Yeah. And they... God, they'll quench your thirst. But the sugar. But the sugar. Don't look at it. <laughs> Ignore that. Yeah. So we will talk about a few other newspapers in this, um, but two other newspapers that we will really talk about a lot are from Chicago, the Chicago Tribune and the Interocean, mm. but we'll talk about them later. Gotcha. Now, Dixon was one of the main locations to cross over the Rock River during this time. The Rock River cut across a large portion of the top of Illinois, so most people traveling northward through Illinois would have to cross the Rock River at some point. Gotcha. And on top of Dixon's growing population, the city's infrastructure was growing just as quickly. Roads, bridges, and other structures were popping up within the few years leading up to the Dixon Bridge collapse. Specifically, there were two bridges in Dixon. One was a railroad bridge, which had been built in 1855, and the second bridge was a pedestrian and vehicle bridge. The majority of Dixon's population lived within about 10 blocks of the pedestrian bridge. So, it's safe to say, the bridges crossing the Rock River were a staple of Dixon. Oh, okay. They're very, like... Yeah, Dixon used. was known for being a crossing point of the Rock River. Gotcha. But, in Dixon's history, there were many, many more bridges than just the two bridges that existed in 1873. When Dixon was initially founded, crossing the Rock River by ferry was the main method that the river was crossed, as was most rivers in the U.S. at the time. Well, one of the first bridges built over the Rock River was in 1846, and from 1846 to 1868, a 22-year span, there would be at least eight different bridges built across the Rock River. Hmm. However, these bridges never lasted more than a few years apiece. Oh, you know what? 
stable stability we love it yes <laughs> the idea they love the idea yeah. of it yeah the bridges were consistently destroyed by the high waters in the river or by the mass amounts of ice that would back up beneath the bridge during the winter horrifying no well my thing is after the first couple of bridges are destroyed by water yeah. and ice um just build them higher or build them differently i don't know yeah there has to be like i mean i'm sure they were built differently but uh, again (laughs) i don't know man build them higher i don't know (laughs) riddle me this it makes sense to me yeah well after yet another bridge failure in 1868 the city of dixon realized that simply building bridge after bridge wasn't a sustainable plan for the future of dixon (laughs) or anyone who crossed the bridges yeah People would fear for their lives every single time they am- step foot on it. I imagine they would. Yeah. Imagine living there your whole life and being like, yeah, our bridges are not stable and I'm not stepping foot on at all. Like, I don't feel safe. Would they have just like a tally mark of cousins and friends that perished in bridge collapses? Yeah, that's It's on their wall. It says perishes. <laughs> kind of how people etch into their walls how tall they are as their kids grow up. Yep, yep. They would just etch in the number of family members that died in bridge collapses. Yeah, exactly like that. Should we stop crossing the bridges? no no why would we (laughs) how are you gonna get to the other side (laughs) dumbass yeah (laughs) so the city of dixon took bids from contractors to build the next bridge that would cross the rock river designs from 14 different contractors were accepted by city officials in dixon and the winning bid belonged to a contractor named l.e truesdale Ooh, okay now this wasn't the first bridge that l.e truesdale had designed Before Truesdale's bid was accepted to build the Dixon Bridge, he had built several other bridges in Illinois. The Dixon Bridge, however, would be the longest bridge that he'd ever designed at roughly 660 foot long. But we'll talk more about his other bridges later on. That sounds like a really long bridge, and that's freaking me out. Because, like, every single time I think of a bridge, I just think of, like, like, just two, like, maybe, like, two feet, and then they have to, like, cross over a river. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's making me nervous. Um, there's a lot of things I could say to that. Yeah, as you should. I lived in Pittsburgh, too, by the way, so okay, I should so know those, about bridges. Those bridges were much longer than 600 feet. <laughs> and <laughs> also, on Route 8, there are several bridges that I'm sure are longer <laughs> than 600 feet. They're longer and probably just as unstable as the Dixon Bridge is or was. Well, I hope they're more stable. I don't. Tr- truly, I don't think so. No, I think they're stable. They've been, they've been around longer than four years, three years. Yeah, for now. How for old are these bridges? Like, just, you got to look them up. I know I shouldn't be afraid of these bridges because there's really not a lot of logic to what you're saying. Yeah. But now I'm afraid. There's never any logic to what I'm saying, ever. Unless... I mean, same, but I just sound more confident about <laughs> yeah. it. See? Hey, but you're believing That's confidence. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're appealing to my inner fears. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 as I do to most. <laughs> So, as for the bridge design that Truesdale had submitted to Dixon, it was based off of a similar bridge that he had designed years earlier, which incorporated a latticework design into the bridge's supports. So, like, along either side of the bridge were these iron support beams that crisscrossed each other in, like, a lattice design style. Oh, gotcha. And while this lattice design was built for support, it also acted like sort of a fence so you couldn't jump over the edge of the bridge. Now, the people of Dixon were thrilled at the idea of an iron bridge, which makes sense considering that no less than eight wooden bridges had failed in the last 20 years. <laughs> hmm, I wonder, I wonder why. So the bridge was completed on January 21st, 1869. And as predicted, 
people were infatuated with this bridge. On the day of the bridge's dedication, like the opening of the bridge, Mm -hmm. a parade that was half a mile long crossed the new Dixon Bridge. Also, the structural competency of the bridge was tested prior to this parade. Mm -hmm. There were four teams that crossed the bridges, testing its strength. These four teams were hauling stone and flour and included a large group of bystanders as well. Each of these teams was estimated to weigh about a minimum of 45 tons. I'm obsessed that they were carrying flour. Also, these teams were harnessed onto the bridge of supports in case the bottom of the bridge gave out. Okay. So it's not like they were like, good luck, everyone. Fingers crossed. No, they were. They were. They had some sort of contingency plan. Gotcha. It's also 1873. So who's to say how safe those plans were? Mm -hmm. So the bridge itself was 18 foot wide and over 600 foot long. And it was supported by five bridge towers, which created five separate bridge spans. The bridge spans are like the individual sections of the bridge between each of the towers. Oh, okay. But yeah, this bridge is long. There were also five-foot-wide sidewalks on either side of the bridge as well, and each was guarded by a three-foot railing. In total, the construction of the bridge cost the city $75,000. Holy shit. So, $75,000 in 1873 equals how much today in 2023? 3.5 million. 1.9 million. God damn it. You're... That was a little bit better than your last that guesses, was a little, though. I'm getting, like, I'm slowly, it's like going, like, I'm slowly getting closer to it. That's what she said. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> a silly little joke. I'm really funny. <laughs> and when the bridge was built, newspapers all around the area raved about how stunning the bridge was and how the design was flawless and innovative. Damn, they're really, like, fluffing this guy's feathers. Make a note that they were really fluffing this guy's feathers. Yeah, yeah. Because we will come back to that. Oh, hell yeah. He was probably like, I'm on top of the world. Nothing can stop me. Again, write that down. Yeah. (laughs) The Dixon City Council reportedly issued a statement thanking Truesdale personally for his promptness, energy, and faithfulness, and also for his gentlemanly courtesy. Holy shit. So what a stand-up guy. What the hell? Someone compliments me when I'm bartending, and I'm like, oh my god, stop. But they're, like, really, like, going in. The people at the bar or these people? These people. Oh, yeah. Again, just make notes that people said these things. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll come back and analyze it. Gotcha. So everybody is happy and thrilled with the new bridge in Dixon. Bless. But remember, this was not the first bridge that Truesdale had designed. In fact, one of his other bridges was a bit topical, some might say. Ooh. In 1968... During the construction of the Dixon Bridge, one of Truesdale's bridges in Elgin, Illinois, collapsed. This was in December of 1868. And fortunately, nobody was on the bridge at that time. Mm. Well, Truesdale's bridge in Elgin was rebuilt, but it would collapse yet again the following year in July, just seven months later. Was it the same guy who built? Yeah. It was the same guy twice yeah. who built that? Gotcha. So Truesdale right. built that bridge. It collapsed. They repaired it. It collapsed, collapsed. again seven okay. months later. Cool. And this is seven all while months. the Yeah. And this is all while the Dixon Bridge is being built. Oh, Christ. And when the Elgin Bridge collapsed the second time, the bridge was filled with people who were watching a tub race in the river below. Hey, what the fuck is a tub race? I don't know. I forgot I wrote that. And I'm just now wondering what the <laughs> fuck's a tub race. <laughs> Hey, class, what the fuck is a tub race? If anybody knows what a tub race is, please email us at disasterhourpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Or DM us on Instagram. Disasterhourpodcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know. So we paused it. It looks like 
A tub race is literally just that. People race down the river in tubs, but recent pictures have tubs with wheels on them. Oh, okay. This looks like... But I'm going to say that's this. like a modern version of yeah, it. Yeah. I think it's like this, where it's like wooden They're and they literally paddles. like half of a wooden barrel going down the river. Yeah. So it's basically tubing down the river. <laughs> that's way more fun than putting wheels on a Coleman cooler and pushing yourself down the riverbank. Yeah. The fact that people used to wear like long sleeve dresses and shit like that and petticoats in the summer when it was probably like ungodly, like 97% humidity and it's like 104 degrees outside. Fuck that. I love that you said that because you will have that same opinion here in just a little bit. Are you serious? Regarding the outfits. Oh, shit. You absolutely will. <gasps> oh, hell yeah. Now I'm mm-hmm. kind of thinking about why. Now, it's estimated that there were about two to three deaths during the second collapse of Truesdale's Elgin Bridge. Uh-oh. But because of the 1800s of it all, records aren't as detailed as they are today. Of course. But at least 30 to 40 people were injured. Mm. So the first time it collapsed, nobody died. Yeah. The second time... Two or three, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's still. Can you imagine today a news story? Eh, two or three people may have died, but we don't, don't know. know. Probably. Whatever. Yeah. We're like, we don't care. But 40 people were injured. So given that the contractor designing a new bridge in Dixon had another one of his own bridges collapse at the same time, you would think his integrity would be questioned, right? Mm-hmm. False. The bridge that collapsed in Elgin was only a single truss bridge design, but the Dixon bridge was a double truss design. Single truss versus double truss is still confusing to me. Yeah. Trusses are what help hold up the bridge. I guess there was only one in Elgin, but two in Dixon. I don't know. Double the support in Dixon. Yeah. And the internet was not helpful when I tried looking it up. You said I'd give up. (laughs) Yeah. I'm done learning. It got way too scientific and it would not dumb it down for me. So I just moved on. But yeah, regardless of whatever that means, the smart people in charge of Dixon weren't concerned with Truesdale's bridge failure in Elgin. Mm. Now, during the investigation of the Elgin Bridge collapse, Truesdale offered a $10,000 reward for information leading to the identification of those responsible for the collapse of the Elgin Bridge. And by the end of the investigation, it had been determined that the collapse of the Elgin Bridge was due to tampering of the structure by some evilly disposed persons. Liv, where have we heard the term evilly disposed persons before? Was it the molasses spill? It sure as hell was. Yes! I was going to say it because I love, I love the phrase uh, evilly disposed persons. It's yep. so funny. They really thought that somebody did that and it just wasn't. Did they think that or did they blame them? They blamed. They blamed evilly disposed persons they said, even if they weren't there. They said we're pointing a finger. Also, side note, I saw the Boston molasses spill referred to as the molassacre. Oh, <laughs> oh we missed man. an opportunity there. The molassacre. Oh, that sounds like a delicious beer name. And it has to be like a porter. Yes, actually. Right? And it's like 14% the molassacre. Yeah. Or like a mudslide from Applebee's. Ooh, yeah. That has like seven different kind of alcohols in it. Yeah. The molassacre. And it has like like a shit ton of chocolate in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yum. We should invent that. We should invent that. Well, you're a bartender, so hop to it. All right. All right, cool. Well, in Dixon, after the grand opening of Truesdale's Bridge in 1869, the bridge would stand strong for over four years. Unfortunately, though... Truesdale's glory of a bridge would fail like all the others before it on May 4th, 1873. Mm -hmm. On May 4th, it was announced that Reverend J.H. Platt from the Baptist Church would be baptizing six members of the church in the Rock River after the Sunday services. Oh, God. It doesn't go the way you think it will. Okay, okay, okay. Well, after the church service, a crowd filled the bridge to watch the baptism. 
With the baptism taking place on the north shore of the Rock River, about 60 feet from the Dixon Bridge, the crowd gathered on the west side of the bridge to watch. Estimates of the number of people on the bridge range from about 150 to 200 people, and the bulk of the crowd was standing on the sidewalk between the riverbank and the first pier of the bridge, so they all were within the first span of the bridge. Also, there were several horse-drawn carriages on the bridge that were spectating as well. It's also reported that some boys and men had climbed up the 15-foot-high iron latticework along the side of the bridge to watch. Hey, why would you do that? If it's not a concert and this is a baptism and you're climbing 15 feet, hey, let's not do that. My thing is, this really highlights, again, how little there was to do in the 1800s. (laughs) (laughs) So, Reverend Platt begins the baptism on the Rock River's North Shore. Along with the reverend and the six church members who would be baptized, the church choir joined them on the shoreline as well. Well, the reverend was about halfway through the baptism ceremony when the bridge begins creaking. No, immediately I'm running off. Some even felt the bridge begin vibrating. Nope. Wiley Coyote. I'm getting, I'm dust. Out. And once this began, some even made comments to each other that they were worried that the bridge would collapse. I mean, can you blame them? How many bridges have collapsed in the last 20 years? Yeah. At this point, Henry Strong, who was the Dixon Bridge tender, ordered the boys to get down from the bridge's supports and began ushering people off the bridge as well. The bridge tender is pretty much the guy who maintains the bridge. Oh, I thought he was like a bartender, but up on the bridge. Hey, bridge tender. (laughs) (laughs) Well, soon a sharp crack is heard at the north end of the bridge, where most of the crowd is located, Mm -hmm. and the west-facing side of the bridge where the spectators are watching the baptism, tilts and plummets 18 feet to the water, taking the crowd full of people with it. Uh, mm -mm. One loud, quick shriek pierced the air and was followed by the sound of the bridge crashing into the water and shoreline. Holy shit, that sounds horrific. Yeah, and though the first span or section of the bridge was the first to collapse, the other four spans collapsed immediately after like a domino effect. And also, when these sections of the bridge collapsed, They didn't just fall apart. The bridge's iron supports and latticework caused the sections of the bridge to twist as the tension was released. Oh, God. The twisting of the metal would eventually trap people in it as they (gasps) fell to the water. Oh, no. Again, that sounds like a fucking Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Oh, that's horrifying. Holy shit. Yeah. Now, to no surprise, the entire scene was consumed by panic. Children, husbands, and wives were all separated during the collapse. Personally, I think being alone, that adds another level of absolute terror to the situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, some victims were killed by the twisting of the iron metal before they even hit the water. Oh, that is just... Some were killed by the crushing force of the debris as they hit the water, and others had been killed by drowning in the river after the bridge collapsed on top of them. I'm speechless. I'm trying to like think of something to say, but just like you said, the sheer panic in commotion of it all and there's so many factors that i didn't even like take into and they're just watching a baptism on a sunday after church yeah it was reported by the chicago tribune that quote some sank to rise no more some were killed before they touched the water some were entangled in the debris some jumped from the bridge to the river and swam ashore the weak generally succumbed end quote oh that sounds just so like not Sad. It just sounds sad. It sounds sad, but it feels like there's like no like emotion into what they wrote. They're just like, yeah, and the weak succumbed. So, it also could be the way that I said it, 
<laughs> but no, I think the writing does kind of take the emotion out of it. It does, yeah. No. But at the time of the collapse, the Rock River was about 15 to 20 foot deep, which is more than enough room to be trapped and drowned in the rubble, let alone making it incredibly difficult to recover the bodies of the victims. Mm. There were victims who had survived the fall, but drowned after they were pulled underwater by the sinking debris. But again, in my opinion, what's even more horrifying is that some of these victims' bodies were trapped just six inches beneath the water. So oh. imagine surviving all of that only to drown in just a few inches of water. Yeah, because, oh God, no. That's like. And just the panic of knowing you're so close, but you don't make it. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. when I read that, I was like, oof, that got me. That's like a greatest fear. But because this is the 1800s, people still helped each other. Mm-hmm. People from all over Dixon rushed to the bridge, bringing ropes and anything that could float so that they could rescue as many people as possible. I feel like this is a common theme, especially with disasters in like the 17 and 1800s, where everyone just comes together and help their own, you know? Yeah. Anyone with boats used them to get closer to the victims who were in deeper water. During the collapse, many of the wooden planks that made up the bridge floor were released, which served as life rafts for those who were able to grab onto them in the river. And people on the shoreline extended some of these planks into the water to pull survivors closer to the shore. The people of Dixon even welcomed survivors into their homes, as well as offering their homes as a place for the dead to rest. So that just says a lot that you're you're willing to have a dead body in your home to provide comfort for someone else. Yeah, like you're opening up your home for the living and the dead at that point. Yeah. Again, would that happen today? Absolutely not. No. no. Well, that's just a biohazard. <laughs> That is a biohazard. That's why the life expectancy was not as long no, back then as yeah. well. So by 6 p.m. on the day of the collapse, a total of 37 bodies had been pulled from the water. However, it's estimated that somewhere between 90 and 100 people were killed. But because of the weight of the iron bridge in the water, it was impossible to rescue all of the victims' bodies at the time. One of the most deadly parts of the bridge's design was the latticework design of the bridge's supports. Mm-hmm. During the bridge's collapse the iron latticework pivoted so quickly that it trapped everything and anything nearby inside the latticework, which brutally mangled any body parts that were unfortunate enough to be caught in the violent destruction. And again, when I say these bodies were mangled, that's an understatement. There are many accounts detailing the brutal nature of how these victims were killed. I'm not going to go into it. Feel free to look it up. No, it won't I, be hard to find. No. Um, But it took days to saw some of these bodies free of the twisted ironwork beneath the water. Some of the rescuers had to saw limbs off of the bodies in order to free them. And there were some victims whose bodies had been completely crushed by the bridge entirely. No, that's like... uh, mm -mm. No. Yeah, no. No. Now, like I said, it's assumed that upward of 100 people were killed. But because of the time period of the disaster, official records only show 59 different names of victims that were killed. However... Later evidence would show that some names were duplicated in the newspapers, so the most accurate list contains the names of 46 victims. What's interesting, of the 46 victims, 37 were female and 9 were male. That's an 80 to 20% ratio. Hmm. And almost half the victims were under 21 years old, which I find less interesting. Oh, yeah. Now, you may be wondering, why were 80% of the victims women? Don't see the choir. No. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, no well the reason is likely because eve ate the apple (laughs) (laughs) uh the reason is that all women are sinners (laughs) so thanks a lot guys uh women thanks eve (laughs) 
No, not at all. There were a couple theories on why so many women died over men. The first, believe it or not, is chivalry. It's noted by the Dixon Sun that some of the men had stood back away from the iron lattice work at the edge of the bridge so that the women could get a better view of the river down below. Oh, no. Chivalry. It's not dead. It kind of is. <laughs> Chivalry wasn't dead, but it... Cre- no, no. Moving on. Nope. Delete yeah. <laughs> the second reason is fashion. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Like you no. said. Oh, no. Remember, the year is 1873. Women wore rather large, heavy dresses with a ton of fabric and, like you said, petticoats, whatever the hell those are. Yeah. But I imagine they were there. Yeah. There's just, they have so many layers. They have their... And it's May, too. Like, goddamn. Yeah. They have their little pants and then their first skirt, second skirt, hoop, fourth skirt, button that, shirt, undershirt, overshirt, another one, petticoat. It's it's May. And Was that terrific. accurate? Do they yes. have all those layers? Yes. Oh, that's entirely too much. Yeah. I mean, May in Illinois, what, 50 degrees at its coldest? Yeah. And then the... Pants, a shirt, and a light jacket. And a hat. Golden. Yeah. Done. It's too many layers take them off who cares if we see your ankle oh well that's a sin that is a sin and that's it's eve's fault it is <laughs> also what didn't help the situation even if the women had survived the fall into the water all that fabric was heavy and loaded with water mm-hmm. now it's going to weigh them down yeah well as you can imagine the surviving victims had sustained all kinds of injuries these ranged from cuts and scrapes to major lacerations and severe wounds and crushing injuries to all parts of their bodies. This is the part that got me. Mm -hmm. Some victims had suffered strangulation from the debris as well, meaning that they had been suffocated or strangled in one way or another by the debris, but they still survived. Oh, God, that's the worst when you're trying to take like a deep breath in and you can't. Like, oh, mm -mm. No. Many of the survivors also suffered from psychological trauma as well. Understandable. Yeah, makes sense. Also, as with any mass hysteria event... There are reports from survivors that are wildly impressive. (laughs) Of course. And by that, I mean people reported fake survival stories. Mm -hmm. The Inner Ocean newspaper from Chicago actually called out these fake stories as well. Oh, good. They basically pointed out that what these outlandish stories lack in plausibility, they make up for in entertainment value. Yeah. To which they said, nice, Mm -hmm. but that's not real. The same shit happens today where people are like, that never fucking happened to you. Are you kidding me? Well, it's just like in our last story where yeah. that actress claimed she fought off a shark. And when they asked her about details, she suddenly couldn't remember all of them. And then... Yeah. Liars. They just you want lied. their 15 minutes of fame. Now, as we've discussed, a significant percentage of the victims' bodies weren't able to be recovered initially. This is partially because of the depth of the river and the amount of debris on top of the bodies. But also, the river current was estimated to be traveling at about 8 miles per hour. Ooh. Kind of quick for water. Yeah. Rescuers combed the river with a trolling line that was 300 foot long with grappling hooks that were attached to it also. So they combed the river with this line for days trying to retrieve all of the victims' bodies. And victims were found significantly far from the site of the disaster. Damn, so that current must have been like really Russian. Yeah. Five bodies were found more than 10 miles downriver from Dixon and the furthest body was recovered 14 miles downriver. 14? Yeah. Holy shit. And 11 days after the bridge collapsed, on May 15th, the Dixon Telegraph reported that all of the remaining victims' bodies had been recovered from the Rock River. Now, it's uncertain whether they actually had recovered all of them. Yeah. But the official report at the time was, yes, we have all the bodies. (laughs) Yeah, we got them. It's fine. 
I mean, I doubt it. I doubt it, too, if they can't accurately pinpoint how many people died and they... But it was reported that. So... Oh, okay. Found him. So, because nothing exciting ever happened in the 1800s, the news of this disaster traveled quickly. As it should. Newspapers across the U.S., from the New York Times to the San Francisco Chronicle, ran stories about the Dixon Bridge collapse. And, (laughs) keeping with the Times, the headlines of these stories were of the dramatic variety. Oh, I'm, I'm very excited. Some of these headlines read, Dixon's Horror by the Chicago Tribune. Kind of moderate. Yeah, very, like, makes sense. The Great Bridge Murder from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Oh. <laughs> Rock River Bridge, thrilling account of the fearful disaster in the New York Times. Oh, wow, of course. Kind of wordy, but yeah. okay. However, it seems like the headlines from Dixon's two newspapers had the most dramatic headlines. <laughs> Some of these headlines were Terrible Calamity by the Dixon Telegraph. The Baptism of Death, also by the Dixon Telegraph. Oh, my God. That's a, hey, get your papers today. Read about the Baptism of Death. Read all about it. <laughs> um, but my personal favorite from the Dixon Sun was titled Death. <laughs> With an exclamation mark and in all capital letters. Hey, guys, death. Read all about it. Hey, look the fuck (laughs) one just says shit all caps death imagine someone just like rolling through not having heard what happened and they just see that and like the newspaper stands are like what the fuck front page just says death death in big block letters and then it's like very like very very tiny print or it's like Like, if you know don't ask or if you don't know don't ask about it i don't want to talk about it So, now it's time for everybody in the 1800s to start pointing fingers every which way. As they should. Right. A lot of people were blamed, some with more credibility than others. Uh, But those who were primarily blamed were L.E. Truesdell, the Dixon City Council, the bridge tender Henry Strong, and the Baptists. What? (laughs) Yes. We'll start with the blame that was assigned to the Baptists. It was going to come down regardless, you freaks. Uh Uh-huh. The rationale for this blame was that the Baptists caused the bridge to collapse by attracting too many spectators to watch the baptisms. <laughs> I, I know. I A know. bridge is meant to hold shit up. Are you dumb? Yeah. And while at first this designation of blame circulated quickly in the media, it never really gained significant traction. Some of the newspapers blamed the church and others defended it, but it didn't last long. Mm-hmm. The Chicago Tribune specifically pointed blame at the Baptists, though. But then an editorial was published the next day in defense of the Baptists. Good. Yeah. How about blaming the fucking guy who built the bridge oh, when well. not even seven months before it was built, his other bridge collapsed for a second time? Yeah, we're going to get there. Trust me. However, it's worth noting that in response to the comments made by the Chicago Tribune, Reverend Platt, the reverend who was performing the baptisms, admitted that he had deliberately dragged out the baptisms for the crowds in a way to advertise the church. I mean, hey. Whatever. It's not like he knew that the bridge was unstable. He's not an engineer. Yeah. How the fuck is he supposed to know that? No. He's like, hey, free advertising. Right. Reverend Platt also noted that he wasn't concerned that the bridge would collapse since he had performed several other baptisms at the same spot with three times as many spectators, per his estimate. Yeah. So take that as you will. He's a reverend, not an engineer, not his problem. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the Baptists took no official blame, as they shouldn't. Yeah. Why would they? Right. But they did stop holding baptisms in the river from that point onward. Well, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Might not be the worst idea. Yeah. The press was also quick to point fingers at the Dixon City Council, 
these accusations were taken more seriously. Specifically, the Chicago Tribune pointed blame toward the city council members. They accused the council of accepting bribes for selecting Truesdell's bridge design, and ultimately blamed them for the death of all the victims. Claims were made that Truesdell bought four of the eight city aldermen, but Dixon judge John Eustace, who was hearing the case in Dixon, dismissed these accusations. Now, was there little evidence, or was Judge Eustace covering his own ass? Mm. Prior to the hearing, however, bribery regarding the Dixon Bridge contract had never been speculated. Okay. So, there's more details. We'll get to that. Back in Dixon, however, most of the citizens defended their city councilmen, unlike the newspapers in Chicago. But the majority of people in Dixon did blame Truesdale, accusing Truesdale himself of corruption. On May 7th, a coroner's jury heard the case in Dixon. Um, a coroner's jury is a group of local citizens that's gathered to help the coroner in determining cause of death. <laughs> so in this case, the coroner's jury is being used to assign blame for the bridge collapse, which definitely seems like we're crossing a blurred line here. But also, it's the 1800s. Like, we know what killed them. The bridge collapsing killed them. They said, mm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, the bridge, I think. I think the coroner's jury was used to assign blame to certain people and avoid assigning blame to other people. I think the coroner's jury was there to make sure the coroner didn't get lonely and scary and spooked out by looking at dead bodies. What the fuck? <laughs> if he's spooked out by dead bodies, why is he a coroner? Because someone has to do it. He was like, guess it has to be me. <laughs> That's like, I remember in early on in nursing school, other students would say, oh, I'm afraid of needles. I'm afraid of blood. Okay, then Bro. what the actual fuck are you doing here? Do you not know what we're doing right now? Do you Brother, hey, quick question. Choose a different adventure. Yeah, there's so many other like things you can get into. Pick something else. Literally almost anything else. Yeah. Well, during the hearing, several local officials from Dixon were called to testify regarding the safety of the bridge. And they all testified that in the four years since the bridge's construction, there were no structural or safety concerns and that the bridge was carefully inspected every year. Side note, I feel like it should be inspected more than once a year, but what do I know? come on, guys. The city clerk, Jason Ayers, testified that the bridge was assumed to be safe by almost everyone, and Henry Strong, the bridge tender, also testified during the hearing, stating that there had been three times as many people on the bridge two weeks prior during another baptism, which confirmed Reverend Platt's claim as well. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, there were way more people on it weeks ago. Why would we suspect anything? Makes sense. But while many testified to the safety of the Dixon Bridge, there were an equal number of testimonies to the incompetence of the bridge. There were many testimonies claiming that poor quality iron and other materials were used in the construction of the bridge, and poor construction techniques were used during construction as well. One of the contractors who had lost the bid to Truesdale, named M.B. Spafford, also testified that the materials Truesdale used, as well as his design, were unsafe, specifically stating that the bridge wasn't strong enough to hold the weight that Truesdale claimed it could hold. He's just jealous. (laughs) That was my thought, too. Like, is he just petty or... Yeah, or is he making legitimate claims? I think he was making legitimate claims. Other testimonies, however, claimed that freezing winter temperatures had damaged the iron that composed the Dixon Bridge. Interestingly, though, Jason Ayers, the city clerk who testified that the bridge was safe, reported to the Chicago Tribune just one day prior that the bridge was, in fact, not safe, and that it would, quote, shake and swing perceptibly to and fro with the weight of a wagon passing over it. 
to and fro, la la la. Literally, my comment here is, I love that to and fro was common lingo at some point in history. Yeah, yeah. Love that. I wonder when it fell off. Entirely too long ago. Let's bring it back. I'm just going to and fro, you know. Might go to and fro. Later on, might go fro and to. Not sure yet. Who knows? We'll see wherever the fro takes me. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe the two. Yeah. Maybe to fro. (laughs) Who knows? Another testimony against the bridge safety came from a highly respected citizen of Dixon, Colonel John DeMent. Uh, Firstly, yeah, I would kill to be a highly respected mm-hmm, citizen. Mm-hmm. I I would just love to walk into any room and someone would be like, there she is, a highly respected citizen. And they just applaud like a golf clap. Yeah, I go, oh, stop. Sit down, guys. I was just going to and fro today. <laughs> <laughs> The way she goes fro and to and to and fro she's is so, spectacular. Yeah, she's such a highly respectable citizen. That's a Seinfeld episode right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, Colonel John DeMent testified that while he had opposed the construction of the Truesdale Bridge because it was unsafe, the Dixon City Council disregarded not only his opinion, but also the opinions of other highly respected citizens. Oh. What I took away from this was, the popular kids from high school weren't taken seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so the popular guys were actually ignored. But as the coroner's jury continued hearing the case, testimonies against Truesdale and his design were continually presented. So during the trial, what happened when Truesdale was called to testify? I don't know. Nothing because he was dead. <gasps> what? On May 6th, the day before the coroner's jury, the Chicago Tribune also reported that Truesdale had died years ago. And with nobody to <laughs> defend Truesdale, Truesdale and his design were dragged through the fucking coals. Oh my fucking God. How did he die? We'll get there. Other professionals and city officials from Dixon to Chicago reported on Truesdale's piss poor design <laughs> and subpar <laughs> materials that he used to build the Dixon Bridge. Scientific American even published an article pointing out all the details of how poor his design was. Holy shit, but they were just praising him a couple of years back. Exactly. Yeah, they, they were saying, this is the best thing ever and it's beautiful. Yeah. Wait till it collapses. Fuck him. Fuck you. Fuck this design. I hate you. Yep. Truesdale's design faced extensive criticisms, leaving many to wonder why or how he created such an unconventional design, as well as why the city council accepted his bid over the others in the first place. The Dixon City Council continued taking blame as well for endorsing his design. There has to be a bribe in there somewhere. Yeah, there has to be. Yeah. So, while this trial was taking place, a reporter from the Dixon Sun did some good old-fashioned investigative journalism. As they should. Ten days after the collapse, on May 14th, the reporter from the Dixon Sun located and interviewed a man named L. Stanton who was the city engineer during the approval of Truesdale's design in 1868, Mm -hmm. five years prior. Stanton reported that he was strongly against Truesdale's design, but one of the aldermen had accused Stanton of being prejudiced against the design. Stanton went on to say that Truesdale's design was flawed from beginning to end, and that he, quote, never knew of an engineer or practical bridge builder, living or dead, that would approve of the plan upon which the Truesdale Bridge was built. Then how the fuck did it get built? <laughs> I don't know. But Stanton was shocked when the council accepted the bid. Now, you may be wondering, why the hell wasn't L. Stanton part of the coroner's jury if he was a city engineer when the bid was accepted? Because people were pissed off that they said anything bad. That probably played into it. Yeah. 
The official reason is that a coroner's jury is comprised of local citizens, and Stanton had since moved out of Dixon. He was living in Freeport, which was about 35 miles away. Oh my god. Bullshit. Somatics. That's so irritating. Makes you wonder why he wasn't called to testify. Mm-hmm. 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 It does. Yes, it does. It sure does. But the investigative journalism didn't stop there. No, no. Nay, nay. A reporter from the Chicago Tribune continued gathering professional opinions about the Dixon Bridge from other city engineers. And since there were a few other smaller Truesdale Bridges near Chicago, the city engineers that were interviewed were all very familiar with Truesdale's designs. So, among all the engineers that were interviewed, what did they all say? Truesdale's design was absolute dog shit. (laughs) They said, we fucking hate this and it's awful. They all agreed that any of Truesdale's bridges that existed with that design should be demolished immediately. Mm -hmm. It's also reported that Truesdale presented his design to several railroad companies, and they all rejected his design instantly. (laughs) Yeah. The Tribune reporter also stated that the only people who were against Truesdale's design were men of science, who repeatedly declared the design unsafe and dangerous. I wonder why. Also, one of the engineers interviewed claimed that it wasn't common for city officials to want things their own way, despite the opinions of professionals. And when other council members would oppose them, they would be accused of acting out of corruption and their own self-interest. So basically, if you called out a councilman for being corrupt, they would say, no, you're corrupt. <laughs> they said, uh-uh-uh, you're corrupt. That's crazy. It was fifth grade. Yeah, they said- It was said, literally fifth grade. Mm-hmm. They said, uno reverse. They said, nuh-uh. <laughs> they did an uno reverse card. <laughs> now, while the press across America is absolutely demolishing Truesdale, the dramatic newspaper headlines continue. And they come up with a lot of very creative names for the Truesdale Bridge in Dixon. Mm -hmm. This is my absolute favorite part of this episode. (laughs) They're very creative in the 1800s. They were. Some of the best names for the bridge were the Truesdale Trap, (laughs) Truesdale's Patent Death Trap, a Godless Sham. (laughs) (laughs) Get ready. It takes a turn here. It was also called the Horrible Abortion. (gasps) Oh, fuck. Shit. (laughs) This one from the Chicago Tribune was a bit lengthy, but still great. The bridge was called only suitable for a war measure to be used in an enemy's country. (laughs) Oh, my God. They said, (laughs) who comes up with that? Quality writers. (laughs) Pulitzer Prize winners. Yeah. Uh, And my favorite is the patent wholesale drowning machine (laughs) from the Chicago Tribune on May 6th. (laughs) The patent wholesale drowning machine. The fuck? It's so stupid. I love it. (laughs) This is the equivalent in the 1800s as something being ripped apart on Twitter. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So the final verdict from the coroner's jury determined that the Dixon City Council, quote, erred in judgment when they accepted the bid for the Truesdale design. Mm -hmm. So they blamed the city council. Good. However... I couldn't find anywhere that stated that any penalties were placed on the city councilman. So basically, the verdict was just a slap on the wrist. Of course. But then a letter is sent to the newspaper, The Springfield Republican in Massachusetts. And it's a letter from none other than L.E. Truesdale himself. Surprise, he's not actually dead. What the fuck? He's not dead. Are you serious? <laughs> Truesdale had actually left Illinois after his bridge at Elgin had collapsed the second time in 1869, probably because he didn't want to face the responsibility for his awful bridge designs. Yeah. <laughs> but remember, by this time in 1869, 
his design for the Dixon Bridge was already accepted and being built. He was probably like, oh, fuck, I got to get the hell out of here. He literally got he literally took a hike and he got the hell out of Dodge. Yes. Also, remember how the Dixon City Council officially thanked Truesdale for being a stand up guy? Yeah. Yeah. That had to be all bullshit. He wasn't even fucking there. What the fuck? <gasps> the 1800s of it all. This is so like glass mirrors, like like you, smoke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Smoke and mirrors. I yeah. Think smoke a, and yeah, mirrors. Yeah, smoke yeah, and yeah, mirrors. Yeah. Exactly. What a little weirdo. I know. That is such a freak behavior. But after hearing the scrutiny of his design, Truesdell writes this letter to defend himself against the accusations. <laughs> What's also interesting is that he waited until after the jury had ruled that the Dixon City Council was to blame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a freak. Integrity, get out of here. Again, he said, no. Nuh-uh. It's good, Uh nuh-uh. In this letter, to no surprise, he denies using poor materials and defends his design. At one point, he argues that in the nearly 18 years that he had been building bridges, the only two that had collapsed were the Dixon Bridge and the Elgin Bridge, and there were only fatalities in one of those disasters. Bro, come on. That is the worst defense ever. Yeah. Also, it was unconfirmed that several people died the second time the Elgin Bridge collapsed. Like, what are you doing? He said, don't look into this too closely. Trust me when I say this and don't look it up. Nobody died the first time and Stephen King wrote Jaws. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look this up. One person died and I swear on the Bible that Stephen King wrote Jaws. Yeah, I got nothing. Ultimately, Truesdale claims that the only way the bridge could have failed was if it had been sabotaged. Oh, my God. Like, what is with these people and sabotage? Just take the blame. No one's out to get you. So, what's Truesdale been up to since 1869? (laughs) Just hanging out, going to and fro. Well, with his career as the worst bridge designer ever behind him, Mm -hmm. he was now living in New Hampshire, where he was running a silver mine that he had opened in 1875 as well as practicing as a homeopathic doctor. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> he was a physician. All as oh well. my god. Did doctors like have to go to school back then or were I people think it just was like... a lot less time. There was schooling required, but from what I can tell, it was a lot less schooling. Oh my god. But he was officially recognized in New Hampshire as a physician. Oh my god. But the mine failed and was abandoned after only 10 years and then Shrewsdale died 5 years later in 1890. For real this time. Oh, shit. Okay, I was going to say like... For real. Like quotation marks, but... No, actual dead. He was 72 at the time. Oh, okay. The Dixon Bridge, however, wouldn't be the last Truesdale Bridge to face some issues. God, there's more? In 1875, two years after the Dixon Bridge collapse, a Truesdale Bridge in Roscoe, Illinois, would collapse with 20 cows that were crossing it. Not cows. We substituted cows and horses. Oh. There was a horse. I tried to find out what happened to those horse carriages. Couldn't find it. They're 100%. There had to be a horse. They died. Yeah. Oh, they died. Yeah. Also, there were a few other bridges with the Truesdale Bridge design outside of Chicago mm-hmm. that had to be demolished because they said, no. They said, we are not having that name on anything. But that is the story of the Dixon Bridge collapse in 1873. That is... Say it fucking crazy. crazy this story had everything it had it all horses a fake death awesome headlines awesome headlines death death <laughs> some lattice death which i didn't even think was possible oh it is that's i don't it had it all it had stephen king writing jaws <laughs> it did <laughs> stephen king is so old 
that I wouldn't even be surprised if we looked up to see when his birthday was. And it was the early 1800s. He survived that bridge collapse. He's a vampire, dude. (laughs) But even bridges that weren't Shrewsdale bridges would continue collapsing through the 1800s. What the fuck? Liv, why? Because there were no laws requiring proof of competency as an engineer during the 1800s to build fucking anything. There it is. Yep. There it is. Also, if a city wanted to build a bridge, like in Dixon, actual accredited engineers weren't required to be part of the construction process. Yep. Yep. Tracks. The men in charge say it's fine. Yeah. Laws requiring engineering licensure to operate weren't even introduced until 1907. However, the American Society of Civil Engineers, ASCE, had recognized this problem before that. Mm -hmm. Less than three weeks after the Dixon Bridge collapse, the ASCE held their fifth annual convention in Louisville, Kentucky, not far from Dixon. Mm -hmm. And because of the recent disaster in Dixon, among other bridge failures, the ASCE formed a committee to firmly address these structural failures. Well, three years later, the ASCE committee published a final report titled On the Means of Averting Bridge Accidents. (laughs) Not art majors. What the hell? No artistic background. No. This report blamed bridge collapses, including the Dixon Bridge collapse, on three different things. Oh, God. One was incompetent and or corrupt builders. Mm -hmm. The second was neglect during construction. And thirdly, excessive loads on the bridges. Did we write that? Oh, it sounds like the blame game. It does sound like the blame game. Yes, yes. No, but these are written by nerds long ago. Yeah. That were probably much smarter than both of us. (laughs) (laughs) What a time to be alive. The Truly. 1800s. You see why I love 1800s disasters. They're just because my favorite. Because anything can fucking happen. The entire thing is a story from beginning to end. It is. It is. There's villains. There's... Fake death and then revival. There's going to and fro. There's... The media. The media, which is crazy. Which is still my favorite part. Which is still something that happens today with these crazy, like, clickbait, you know, headlines. Death. Death. <laughs> short sweet and to the point death hey guys death (laughs) all right well i think history kind of beat us to this but let's go ahead and play the blame game let's let's do it Alrighty, the blame game as we all know is where we rate the disaster on three different categories was it predictable was it preventable and was it avoidable once the disaster began each category is rated on a scale of 0 to 5. A total score of 3 or less means this is a true disaster. And a score of 10 or higher means we get to assign a lot of blame. Ooh, ooh. We love it. <laughs> um, obviously, we will be assigning lots oh, of Oh, yeah. I would not even think that this would be a true disaster. Uh, no. If anything, this is true bullshit. Yeah, this is truly, truly. Uh, predictability, 5. 5. There's... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, even today, like, I feel like anytime you kind of drive on a bridge, like... Again, the only bridge I've ever felt that way on is the Chesapeake Bay Bridge yeah, in Maryland. Yeah, it's long and haunting. All right. Anyway, so this gets a five out of five for predictability. Yes. Um, preventability? Five. Yeah. Five. I was like, I don't. I mean, it's obvious from the start that there's corruption involved. Yeah. I still don't know exactly who was corrupt, who was bribing who. I think everyone was just bribing everybody. And they're think, like, well, fuck it. It's a bridge. Who cares? I think everybody knew about some level of some bribe, but nobody was completely honest with each other. Yeah. And almost everybody other than that city engineer was corrupt. Yep. I agree. Now for avoidability. I gave it a one. I was just going to say two one. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's... it snapped and collapsed in what? A couple seconds? Yeah. There's no way. No. I mean, even if you're a good swimmer, what if you get caught in the lattice work? Mm-hmm. 
or when you just get caught below some debris like there's no way yeah no you could be the best swimmer you could be the strongest swimmer but yeah you could be in six inches of water tons of cement fall down on top of you nope Mm -mm. well in total this gets an 11 out of 15 Ooh. live who you blaming first uh the designer Truesdale himself. Yep. There's no like other person in my mind besides this guy. He seems so unqualified. There were so many people back checking his work and he was like, no, you guys are wrong. That's crazy. If anybody were to play him in a movie, I would say it's Steve Buscemi. Oh, yes. Steve Buscemi just has that 1800s face. The 1800s face, the 1800s accent, and just the... He can be such a sleazy actor. I love Steve Buscemi. He's yeah, an so, awesome yeah, dude. He's yes. a stand-up guy. He's fantastic. But, oh, he can, he can portray a sleaze bag to a T. Mm-hmm. What's that movie he was in? Uh, Fargo. <laughs> Am I right? That's that's Fargo, yeah. 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 He was a sleaze bag in that he's one. He's literally this guy, but as a yes. false engineer. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. I also want to point fingers at the Dixon City Council members um, who mm-hmm. voted for Truesdale's design. Yep. yep. Um, not the entire city council, but just those who endorsed Truesdale. They were getting money. Someone got something somewhere. Yeah. They were getting either money, housing, or a horse. And if <laughs> and a horse. <laughs> and if they weren't getting something, they knew about something. Yes. Yeah. So those are the people I think we should blame. And I agree. Well, Liv, you want to tell me what you learned? Absolutely, I do. All right, so the first thing that I learned is that bridges are long. (laughs) Hey, Um, man, they're crazy long. (laughs) And I know that. And it's just when you're driving across it, you don't realize it. You know what I mean? Unless you're on the Chesapeake Bay one. Like driving through Pittsburgh, I don't realize how long these bridges are until someone's like, "Uh, yeah, that's like 600 feet. And I'm like, oh, it literally felt like. Well, I mean, you're driving at 60 miles per hour. Exactly. So that's why I never like realized how long they actually were. Okay. That's fair. Right? Yeah. I can see it. Okay. Uh, The second thing I learned is that there is such thing as a bridge tender. Hey, who knew? I I also learned that. Not me. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Um, And the third thing that I learned is that you can actually fake your own death, (laughs) which is so crazy to me that anything is possible in the 1800s. I was going to say, I think it's a lot easier to fake your death in in 1873 than it is in 150 years later in 2023. That's just, it's so funny to me that you were like, hey, actually, he's alive. You kind of got to respect his game, though. He said, listen, I'm just going to pretend like I'm not here and left and became a fucking mine operator and doctor. (laughs) He said, and scene. (laughs) (laughs) Time for act three. Yeah, he said, it's like that scene in um, Arrested Development where it's Tobias and he literally like does his whole show and then he goes, and scene. That is such an underrated show. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, What everybody at home cannot see is that I just flipped the five minute hourglass. (laughs) Why did I do that, you ask? Well, we'll tell you. The amount of banter and just (laughs) nonsense conversation I have to cut out of each episode from me and Liv takes so much longer to edit each episode so I can tie it together so it makes sense. I think the last episode was me talking about just film and then us talking about composers. Do you know how much time? Like It had to be like 25 minutes. 17 minutes. We were talking for so 
long about, about that. the arts and composers, which I think is a riveting conversation, but has nothing to do with disasters. No, I was going to say it could be good for another podcast, not this one. Even finding anything related to that episode took forever. <laughs> I had to take so many breaks between editing. I'm like, oh my God. You texted me that and I was like, God bless Ian for just <laughs> editing that shit because I could never, I could not. It took some time. We just love to chit chat. If there's one thing that we like to do, it's chit chat. The entire family is the same way. I know. I mean, we learned that. On Saturday. (laughs) We had a family get together. It was loud. It was so loud and no one could get one word in. We all got words in, but I don't think anyone really heard a word we were saying (laughs) because our (laughs) words were just over top of everyone else's word. And no one was listening to each other. (laughs) No, but we were just in each other's company shouting (laughs) as we love to do. Yeah. Yeah. My God. It's so funny. Also, there is one thing I really want to, uh, I think needs addressed. Uh, Regarding the last episode, Liv, you said something that I think is going to rub some people the wrong way. So I think we, yeah. I think we should talk about it. Um, you plugged fall weather. Oh my god! In Ian. an episode during the <laughs> summer and in my own apartment, I did not appreciate that, and I'm sure ninety nine percent of our listeners thought that was inappropriate. So I think this would be a good time for you to apologize to everyone, saying and just repeat after me: I should not have plugged fall in Ian's apartment. I should have plugged fall in Ian's apartment. I'm ready for fall, baby. We have taken a sharp left in this conversation. <laughs> this is not good. I may or may not have lit a fall candle yesterday. It's white pumpkin and it makes my apartment smell so good. And I got sunflowers. Sunflowers are a summer flower. Yeah, They're called but sun. If you... you have the most sun in summer. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. This I do is... what I want. <laughs> not in this apartment. You don't. <laughs> I'm you... just excited for it. I'm not wishing away summer. I love I love summer. Seriously. Don't, don't get me wrong. I I'm wish just, I could change my face. I know, I know. <laughs> I just, I love. I'm, ex- I'm just excited for fall. I'm ready for it. Am I wishing somewhere away? No. I love the weather. I love being outside. But I, I will be still... ready for it once summer has ended. Yes, I agree. I agree. We're but not done with summer yet. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're still in August. We got time. Your face when I said you have to apologize for what you said. <laughs> I was went like, white. I literally was like, oh, what the fuck did I say? <laughs> And then I was like going back and I was like, what, what did I say? I was like, we just talked about sharks and Stephen King the whole time. What Moreover, did I... what did Ian leave through the editing process? <laughs> he said, I was. This is a choice on his part. I got scared. <laughs> but one thing I think we keep forgetting to do is plugging the podcast and our website and the Instagram. Oh, please, please follow us on Instagram. We are extremely active on there. It's at Disaster Hour Podcast. Same with our website, www.disasterhourpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter and with the same handle, but we are not as active on Twitter as we should be. <laughs> so to clarify that statement, nothing has ever happened with that Twitter account. I literally just registered it to save the name. And it's there. It's there. <laughs> will you find anything? No. No, not yet. But very soon there will be something there. There will yeah. be content there soon. We just, um, I'm loyal to Instagram. I like posting on Instagram. I like posting pictures. Twitter slash X, I guess, is just kind of fun. Me neither. It's kind of fallen off. So follow us on Instagram. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um also email us at disasterpodcast at gmail.com. Did you mm-hmm. say that already? Uh no, I didn't. Email us. If you have a disaster you'd like us to cover, please send us an email. We're always open to suggestions. Also, you know how I can see who follows us in each country? Yeah. We have a lot more. What I find really funny now is that 3% of our listeners are in Canada, which they've been there. Oh. Love our Canadian fans. Yeah, A. Sorry. Did you say A because they say A in Canada? Yeah. Why don't we say that? We should say that more. Well, that, that's a? their thing. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in all the other countries, it lists them as less than 1%. So I assume that's just one or two listeners in each country. Yeah, yeah. But now Malaysia and the Netherlands also have a solid 1% of our listeners. So that's more than one listener in each of those countries. So shout out to all of our listeners in Malaysia and the Netherlands. Hi, guys. How exciting. If you are in Canada or Malaysia or the Netherlands or honestly anywhere else, (laughs) shoot us an email. We would love to hear from you. We would love to see what disasters you'd like us to cover. Yeah. Also, I still want to point out nobody in Italy is listening. Come on, guys. I don't know what it is about having an Italian listener, but... My friend's cousin, he's from Italy, and I'm going to tell her... Yeah, just just listen to one episode. Even if you're not a fan, I just want Italy on this list. Yeah, yeah. So that would make both of us very happy. Yeah, yeah. Please email us. Please DM us on Instagram at Disaster Hour Podcast. And yeah. And I think that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks for not ditching out when Liv brought up fall last week. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. She's sorry. She probably I'm actually will do not. It again. I don't take it back. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mental health awareness, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. All right, be safe, everybody. Bye. Good luck out there. See you. Read about the baptism of death.